say to belong to a, a, a wider family of churches. Obviously, um, the church at large encompasses far more than just regions beyond or churches that look a bit like us or churches in Hull, but we, are, we belong to a, a huge family of, of the people of God. And that is what we're going to be looking at today, actually. Um, but, but as regions beyond, we are, we are a, a family who, who share relationally with one another, who share values together with one another. And over the, the last few weeks, we've been going through actually our, our values book and we've been teaching through what it is we value. By the way, can, can, you, can you all hear me? Do I, do, I, do I need to grab a microphone? Can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. Good. I'll try and keep this, this volume up. If I drop down, give me a wave, Margaret. Yeah. Um, we've been going through this, um, this value book. We've been uh, going through these 11 values that we share together as regions beyond. Now, and I've said this every time, this is not our, um, our statement of faith. And I think statements of faith are important. I think they, they are valuable. When I've preached in a Christian union, as I've said before, I've been asked to sign a statement of faith. Um, and that is, that is right that I should do that. Otherwise, you know, you could get all sorts of people who come in and, you know... And statements of faith have been used in church history to kind of to say, no, this is where we stand. We believe this thing and, we, and we, anything outside of that we, we don't believe. And so it's important to be able to do that. And so there are great statements of faith that we do sign. You know, the uh, evangelical churches, the evangelical alliance statement of faith, wonderful. Um, so many things like that that we would put our name to. Now, this is, is not that. This, this is not what this is. It's not a statement of faith, although there is crossover, absolutely. Um, this, these are what we call, these are the, the values, the truths that we treasure together. These are shared values that you would see if you spend any time with us here at Freedom Church, if you spend any time with any of the churches that we've seen in that video, or come to, come to any Regions Beyond events, training, conference, hopefully you would see that these values are true. And there would be nothing, as you, hopefully you've, you've all had a chance to flick through this booklet, there'd be nothing in this booklet that you go, oh, it's strange that they, they value that. Because if, if anything should come as a surprise to you, chances are we're not valuing it as we should. That's funny they say they value scripture. I've never seen Josh open his Bible in his life. No, but if, if what, is, what is true, what is, if what you value is, is displayed. In fact, actually, when, when Paul is writing to Timothy, he talks to him about doctrine and about sound doctrine. And very quickly you realise this guy's not talking about something that's written on a page. He's, written, he's talking about something that's springing into life. You know, your doctrine is a thing that is is done, it is demonstrated. Right? It, it, comes, it comes to life, it, it is not content to sit on the page, it bursts off into action. And so what you believe is seen. What you believe is seen. And so Paul, and we've, we've said this again and again, it's the phrase that we've been using as we've been looking at the values, he, he's able to say to the Ephesian elders when he gathers them together as he's passing by, he gathers them in a place called Miletus, and he gathers them and he says, you know how I was when I was with you. You know how I was when I was with you. You saw how I, how I moved. You saw what I valued. You know my doctrine because you know me. You've seen me at work. And so you've, you know the, the values that we hold to. There's this bit, I don't know if you've seen uh, the second Sherlock Holmes film uh, with um, Robert Downey Jr. In the, right at the end, he, uh, he kind of goes off to fake Moriarty and they play chess or whatever. And he says to uh, Watson and someone else who's with him, he says, um, you know my methods. And he's like, leaves him to finish the case. And there's this sort of like, this is going on. He Paul, having given the deposit of teaching, says to them, you know 
how I was when I was with you. Now carry on, walk in this. And so that's, that's kind of what we want to do as we're going through this value booklet is we want to be embodying these things. We want to be adjusting ourselves to make sure that we line up with these things that we say that we value. So that, so that we can say, as Paul says, when he's, he writes his letters, he doesn't just send off a document, he sends it with somebody. He sends a Timothy or a Titus or a Phoebe with the letter to say, Here, here's, here's the letter and here's Phoebe to show you what it's like to belong to this group of people. Here is Phoebe, she embodies, or here's Timothy, he embodies these teachings. And so that's kind of what we, what we want to do, that's what we're building to as we hold up these things. And so today... We're going to be looking at this value of honouring, we should call it this, honouring the centrality of the local church. If you're nervous about that wording, um, we'll come to that. (laughs) Honouring the centrality of the local church, and we expand that this way, we have a high view of the church because it is central to God's eternal purpose. This is expressed in each member's devotion to prayer, to worship, to giving and service in their local church. And that's what we'll be looking at today. If you've got your Bible, why don't you turn with me? Here he is, finally opening his Bible. Um, turn with me to uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. And we just read very quickly um, verses 9 and 10. And it is on the screen in front of you, but I've realised I'm stood. I don't know if there's anything I can do to save you from just staring at the side of my head. Um, 1 Peter chapter 2, 9 and 10. But you, that you, by the way, I just want to make a point. I'm going to make, I'm going to make this point later. That you is a plural you, right? Sometimes we can read you as singular. It's me, me and my Bible. That is a, uh, if we were in America, y'all. Or if we were just a little further north, yous, right? That is, that is a y'all. Y'all are a chosen race. <laughs> you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. A people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvellous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Lord Jesus, we pray that as we, as we open our eyes to this truth and And what do you say about your people and your church and the display of that locally? Lord, that you would show us wonderful truth that would just encourage us as we look around uh, this room at our brothers and sisters here and think about what it is you've called us to and who it is you've called us to be. Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. Now, when we think about the church, um, it can be very easy to to fall into a a number of different traps. Sometimes people can say, I've heard Christians say this and I've heard non-Christians say this. They say, you know, I I don't mind Jesus. He seems great, but it's the church I have a problem with. It's his followers who who are the issue. In fact, that's a a quote from from Gandhi. Gandhi uh, is is, um, always quoted as saying something like, uh, I don't mind your Christ. I don't like your Christians. Right, there's this, this, this idea that, that actually the church is the issue, but Jesus is okay. And sometimes Christians can have this idea that church is somehow an optional extra, a kind of an, an add-on. You know, actually, there's the, it's my relationship with Jesus that's the thing. Right, remember that plural you? We're going to come to that. we spend a bit of time on that. It's my relationship with Jesus that's the thing, and the church is sort of a periphery. 
it can fall into the trap of being, uh, as I say, an optional extra or, or a show that I come to, or um, it can be just, I just, I just pop in, I, I sit on the bench and I, I watch, and, and so it can leave people to have a very consumer mindset to church. I, mean, I, I, I really liked the worship this morning, the preaching, not so much. But there's a, there can be so easily we can fall into this trap and the church sort of falls away into a sort of uh, hollowed out version of what the Bible actually holds up before us as it being. And so what I want us to do today is I want, I want to look at the church that Jesus talks about. I want to talk about, I want look, us to look together at the, what the Bible has to say about who the people of God are. Now, what is the church? What is the church? The church is the people of God. That is, it is the people of God. Now, it is not an organisation. It's not a building. Now, that's very easy for us to say because we've, we've had to move around from one empty shell to another. Um, but, the, but the church is not a building. But it's, neither is it just a, a meeting or an organisation or whatever we happen to fly our Freedom Church banner over or attach our stamp <coughs> to. The church is the people. And so it, it refers to this gathering... So it's, it's not just a Sunday gathering, it is a Sunday gathering, it's not less than a Sunday gathering, but so much more than a Sunday gathering. The church, in fact the two phrases that are used, the two Greek words that are used uh, in the New Testament to refer to uh, the church are the phrase ecclesia, which is, which is literally the, the gathering, the, the assembly, right, school assembly, as you gather, this is the assembly point, you come together, the coming together, and that's, that's a very physical thing, you know, there's, it's a... Uh, it has its roots in, uh, you know, actually even in Greek towns, they would have an assembly. If there was an important news to be heard or, or important decisions to be made, they would gather the people and there would be an important moment. You need to be there at the assembly to hear what's going on or to be involved in what's going on. And so, you, and so the New Testament borrows that word to describe the gathering, but also it's, it's used not just when the people are gathered, it's also when the people are scattered. You remain the church even though you're not here today or when you're out in your job you you still are the church because you are gathered to Christ we are gathered together and we're gathered to Christ and so that phrase the church the the ecclesia the gathering the assembly refers to both of those things and so it's not just Sunday it's not less than Sunday there I'll come to that again later but but it is it's it is more than that as well and then the second phrase is, second Greek phrase, I don't expect you to remember these, don't worry, is koinonia, which, is, which means the fellowship, the, the belonging, the, the partnership, the community. And so this, this uh, we, and, and actually the, this point is laboured in the New Testament, you know, we, we're in fellowship with God and we're in fellowship with one another. In fact, in Acts 2, when you get that snapshot just after the, the Holy Spirit has been poured out on the church and, and there's this been a wonderful commissioning and birthing moment, 3,000 saved and added. Again, we'll come to that as well. Um, I'm promising you a lot this morning. I realise I'm saying I'm going to say a lot. Uh, we'll see what we actually do. Um, my, I'm on paper notes today, so it gives me a lot of freedom just to go all over the place. Um, but yeah, there's lot, many saved and added and then we get this, Luke gives us, who's writing the book of Acts, he gives us this snapshot into the life of the church. And we actually started our time as Freedom Church in that series. That series is all online, by the way, if you wanted to listen to it. And we were meeting on Zoom still. Uh, and we looked at that, they, what they devoted themselves to. They devoted themselves to prayer, to the apostles' teachings, the breaking of bread, and to the fellowship. They devoted themselves to one another. And that is, that is what the church is. It is a devotion to one another, to community. 
And as I say, the, the New Testament is so much of it addressed in the plural. It is addressed in the plural. Sometimes we can have this idea of you know, me and my Bible. And that, those moments are important. And, we're, and the New Testament also encourages us to those moments of getting into the Word and my relationship with God and, and make sure that there is a, that quiet place where I, I am building my relationship with God. But also, so many of the commands are plural. And so many can't be worked out outside of the plural. Right? You can't love one another on your own. You just, good luck. Right? <laughs> You can't. Like the, 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 to be obedient to what Jesus commands and to the word of God, we must, we must be working out together. There is a whole plural nature to what the church is and what the people of God are. It is, you know, it's, as I say, it's, it's not wrong to, for me to read you know, the passage that we just read. You know, once I'm a chosen person. It's not wrong for me to read it individually and for myself, but it's certainly not the emphasis, right? It's certainly not the emphasis. The emphasis is us together, we together chosen, we together called. And so with that in mind, being the assembled body and being a fellowship together, we see the church laid out in the New Testament. Now, a lot of that language that, that Peter uses here is, I mean, it's interesting, we've already been praying for Israel, is borrowed, and in fact that comes right the way through 1 Peter as, as he's talking about to the people of God, about what it means to be the people of God. A lot of that language that he uses is, is drawn straight from the Old Testament. In fact, he, he applies language that has been given to the people of God, i.e. Israel, and says, this language now applies to you, the church. Now, it was once the case that to be in the people of God, you had to be able to trace your lineage, or it was once thought, you trace your lineage to Abraham and to Isaac. And that means I'm in, I'm in the chosen people. What does it mean to belong to the chosen people? Well, it means that I'm in, of this lineage and that I obey these commands and this covenant. I obey the covenant that was been given there on Mount Sinai to Moses and to the people of God. If I obey that and I'm born into the right family, then I belong to the people of God. And what we see in the New Testament is that those parameters of what it means to be in the people of God, you know, so I need to be born to right family, I need to obey these commands and be in this covenant, and then I'm in the people of God. Those parameters are blown wide open. And suddenly the parameters are set as this. If you are of faith and in Christ, you are in the people of God. And so what that means is that, and, and Paul uses this language in Romans, he says, you've been grafted in, that, that tree that has been growing right the way through the Old Testament, when we were in Matthew, and kind of Matthew making this big point of, this is a continuation of that, right? That tree that's been growing through the Old Testament of the people of God and what God has been working through his people and the promises that are over his people. Now you have been grafted in. A living branch has been added to this tree. And those who don't accept this, this Christ have been cut away. And so the parameters of, of, of what the, who the people of God are has shifted. It is not where you're born, the covenant, it's the, have you accepted Christ? Do you belong to him? And then if you have, you inherit these promises. You inherit this title of being in the people of God. Which leads Paul to be able to say, and I say this now, kind of knowing the news, knowing what's going on in the news, knowing that there are Christians who find themselves caught up in a very 
particular way in that Paul is able to say, very controversially, not all Israel is Israel. Not all Israel is Israel. And that kind of, I I don't mean to spend a lot of time here, but it's important for us to recognise, and whilst we're seeing these things unfold in the news, there are, there are Christians who teach and there are Christians who, who believe that, hey, these, these are the people of God and so they have the right to bomb whoever they like. And that's just, that is wrong, that is dangerous, that is just not scriptural and it's not godly. No, the people of God are those by faith. Now, there are promises over the people of Israel, wonderful promises over the people of Israel. And we are in faith that one day, at large, the, peop- the, the people of Israel, the Jews, will see that their Messiah is really for them as well as for the nations. Paul says in Romans, I'm completely going off, that Paul says in Romans, um, if by their exclusion that the the gospel should come to you, how much more by their inclusion? The Jews reject the gospel and so the gospel is launched from them into the nations. How much more will we, the church, be blessed when they at large accept that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, and they are pulled into being once again the people of God, part of that living tree. But we don't look at what's happening in the news and say, this is, these are the people of God and they're entitled to that land. No, we, we, we don't. We don't. Not all Israel is Israel. That wonderful Ephesians 2, the near and the far. We, we who are far off now pulled in, as well as those who were already walking with and knowing the scriptures. We, we had no memory of it, no knowledge of this. We were, outside of this, we'd still be painting ourselves blue and chasing after each other in spears that... But the word of God has come and called us to him. And so now we belong to Christ. I'm going to move a little bit faster. Point two. <laughs> we are saved and added. This wonderful phrase that it comes out again and again in the, uh, in, through the book of Acts. If you are saved, you are added. So Luke, who's writing this, they were added to their number uh, more day by day, or 3,000 that day. You cannot be saved That is, you can't enter a saving relationship with Jesus without also being added to the people of God. In fact, there's there's just no instance of that. If if you're saved, you are added. If you have joined yourself to Christ, you are joining yourself to his church, to his people. Because God wants a people. He wants a people. That's what he's building. He's establishing his church. If you're a Christian, you are part of the church. You cannot be Christ's and not belong to him, to the church. That is, that is true and wonderful. And again, it, kind of, it, it comes sharply against anybody who might think of themselves, you know, I'm a Christian, but oh, that church. No, no, Christ says, if you, if, you have no, if you have no part in my church, you have no part in me. If you belong to me, you belong to the church. If you belong to me, you belong to the church. And it's outworked in, point three, if you're keeping track, point three, in loving the saints. In loving the saints. When Paul writes to so many churches, he does it when he's writing to the uh, Philippians, he does it when he's writing to the Colossians, he, he says of them, you know, I thank God in my remembrance of you because of your love for the saints. You love the saints. That is, you love the people of God. You love Christians. And love for Christians is, is a mark that you've received Jesus. There's a mark that God has been at work in you. If there's life in you, if there's any life in you, is there a pulse? It's going to be seen in your love for the body, in your love for the church. Because God loves the church. God loves the church. And so if you love God, 
quick maths for you. If you love God, God loves the church, you're going to find yourself loving the church. I could, I could spend a bit longer there, but, but John makes a big emphasis on this. Like, hey, if, if, if someone says they're from God, uh, John, as he's writing, uh, 1 John, he says, if someone says they're from God and they don't have love, then they're lying. They're lying. I guess I come to you and I say, I'm South African and so I'm celebrating the World Cup. You go, uh, <laughs> Josh, I, like, I'm, I'm, see, I'm seeing a disconnect here. I don't think that's true. John says, if you, it's the same. You know, if, you, if, you're not, if you're not loving and you say you're from God, you're a liar. The mark that you're from God, the mark that you've received the gospel is that you will love the church and love his people. It's, it is an evidence. And that's not hypothetical, by the way. It's not hypothetical. You say, I love the church. I love the church. You open your mouth and all that you say is terrible things about the church. You, you don't love the church. And so there is, there is work to be done there. There is, there is work to be done there. It cannot just remain hypothetical. In theory, I love the church, but in reality, I have nothing nice to say about it. No, that cannot be the case. If I've received Christ, I love his body. I love his body. Even though I know that we bump heads with one another, I know that occasionally there will be an, oops, sorry, I just stood on your toe. And, and that those, these fallouts, I know, because we're not perfect. But the fact is that the deep underlying current is... God loves his people and he has called us to do the same. The church is his bride. That wonderful uh, image, this, it's actually it's Paul, one that Paul uses when he comes to talk about um, husbands and wives and the relationship there and he wants to teach into uh, marriage. He, he, he goes immediately, always, he goes immediately, he rushes to teach into what the gospel is. You, the church, are, you, look, husbands love your wives, Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to purify her, to glorify her, to make much of her. He, le- he gave, he gave, he gave. And there's this model that, that we're called to emulate as husbands and wives, to, to uh, emulate this relationship here. But what Paul is saying is there is God, you are his bride and he is purifying you, making you white, clean, beautiful, on that day to be presented, that image that comes up again and again throughout the book of Revelation, that you're going to be presented as a pure and spotless bride. He is restoring you, beautifying you, loving you. You are loved. And the church glorifies God on earth in worship as being the place of the presence of God in, in worship. Again, this is something that uh, Peter in this letter, he talks a lot about, you know, the, the temple that on, on, on Zion's hill there was the place if you want to go and you want to experience the presence of God that's where you go you go to the Holy of Holies just be careful though you know that you've got to do all this stuff to be able to get there now that has been op- blown open and, and that Holy of Holies doesn't, doesn't exist anymore it's done its job it's now at work in places like this in Christchurch you want to experience the presence of God you come and be with his people because that, that is where he is. That's where he promises to dwell. In you individually, yes, we can read it that way. But there is this particular promise of the gathered people. The gathered people, that is where God is. And Ephesians 3.10, it is in the church that the manifold wisdom of God is being displayed. Do we say it on earth? Sure. But also to those powers and principalities, those heavenly powers. All of, angel, all, the, all of heaven stops to look at the glory of God displayed in North Hall Community Centre at half three till five. What? Are you going to look around the room and think, really, is this, 
And all of you think all of heaven looks in and goes, wow, this is the glory of God. The glory of God being displayed here. And under that tree in South Africa where they meet, you know, when it's not thunderstorms, you know, or whatever, you know, they, or in the slums of India, in Mumbai, when they, when they gather and they eat their lentils and they pray, all of heaven stops to look in to see the glory of God <coughs> displayed there. Something, when you get that, have demons stunned, blinded by the beauty of what God is building in this church. And we are on a mission. Not one of two of us. We've talked about this a number of times. In fact, I, I can't help but bring it up every chance, opportunity I get. If you're part of the church, you're on a mission. Again, that's Paul to the uh, Philippians. You know, I, I'm confident that he who began this work in you will bring it out to Remember, plural you. Will bring it out to completion. It is right for me to think this way about you, plural you, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Right? There's this, because of your partnership. Again, there's... The reality is, is that if you're, if you're saved and added, you belong to the people of God and you carry this mission. So that's all me talking about the, the global church. I'm talking global church there. That, that is true right across the body of, of Christ. Um, every Sunday morning, every time Christians are at work together or in each other's homes breaking bread, all of that is going on uh, universally and throughout history. But now I want to talk a little bit about, you know, the emphasis here is on the local church, the centrality of the local church, honouring the centrality of the local church. So what is the or a local church? As I say, it's not a building. As I say, that's very easy for us to, to, to believe. It comes out in the Alpha course. You know, it's not a building, it's not a building. But it can be very easy for us to say it's not a building, but then fall into a trap of thinking it's an organisation or, or it's a meeting or it's a... Uh, you know, whatever happens to have our charity number attached to the bottom of it. No, no, the church, the local church, Freedom Church, is not some entity out here that just puts its flag somewhere wherever we happen to meet. There is no Freedom Church. Is, is you guys? As you, as you infiltrate your places of work, as you as you go about all you, all that you do, you're doing your shopping. You are the church. You are the people of God. And then when we gather, we are. Again, the assembled people of God in that special way. And it's not because we're here. And it's not because I'm preaching. But it's because we together are gathered in his name. And that wonderful promise. There he is. There he is inhabiting the praises of his people. It's not a show. Again, we can fall into the trap of thinking that church is a show that you attend. It is not. It is not. It's the people of God and it's the gathering. The lo- as I say, the local church is, is so much more than Sunday morning. But it's not less. I think during COVID, well, during COVID, there was, there was a bit of some uh, people were saying, actually, you know, whoa, we don't need church. We don't need church. It turns out we can do this whole like Bible thing on our own. And there was a big kind of uh, push for that. And, or, you know, we just do it online. And, and actually, my, my walk with Jesus is just, or, you know, I think, actually, I don't really need to go to church. Or I kind of jump from one to another, jump from one to another. The people of God is so much more than... Than, than just a, a Sunday morning show. Um, and that should be displayed on Sunday morning, but it's, but it's not less than that. You know, I think that it's why the writer to the Hebrews has to say, hey, look, let's not, let's not neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Because it's in the meeting together, it's in the gathering together that these things happen, these, these wonderful things that we talk about, the, the loving one another, the, the building uh, family, friendship, 
uh, uh, those things are expressed in the meeting of one another's needs, in the obeying of the commands, love one another. All those things are outworked in Sunday gathering or whatever day you happen to do it. In Dubai, they've been doing it on Saturdays and Fridays. Their weekends work slightly differently there. But it's in the gathering and in the living life together. And we've spent time looking at that elsewhere, so I'm not going to spend loads of time on that. But this, this coming together. And to my mind, the best Sunday mornings, I come away, or sorry, Sunday afternoons, still, and um, yeah. The best gatherings that we've had haven't been because I've gone away and thought, wow, wasn't Neil great this morning at worship? Or wasn't Mike amazing? Or didn't I preach well? No, those best gatherings are when I see these things at work. I see those little words of encouragement that come, or I see uh, lots of contributions and the, the gifts manifested around the room are being activated and used. When John comes and shares um, a, 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 a scripture, and I just like, it's just like there's life, you know. And I think there's just there's things that when all of those are at work, I feel like oh, this is this is life giving. When the whole body is alive and active and, and together, and that cannot be replicated online. It can't be replicated by finding the best uh, preachers on YouTube. Right? If it was about that, I'd quickly be replaced. But the fact is that there is something a present in what God is doing in these moments that mean that when we're together, something special is happening. Sundays are gatherings. The church, the people are the centre of worship. Again, not outsourced to events. You know, there are lots of great worship events, lots of great worship music things going on. We don't out, worship isn't happening out there. It happens in the people of God. Settings like this. But when you, know, you invite me into your house, or when I, you come round to mine and we break bread and we eat together and we drink together, all of those things, the celebration of Christ in those moments, worship, in the centre of God. As I say, the presence of God. You know, the, the wonderful encouragement that we have. We've been looking at the Holy Spirit recently, haven't we, in a recent series. The wonderful encouragement there to, that says, you know, when these things are at work amongst you, people are going to come into the room and go, wow, God is here. Wow, God is here. He's here. And in the local church is where we see discipleship and growth happen. Again, it's something that can, we, can, we can think we can outsource to books you know, like, or, or, or the better speaker online or whatever it is. You know, my personal growth and it's, and it's me. And, you know, if I only read the right books or if I, if I spent enough time doing this. And, and hey, look, your personal, those, those things are, are wonderful. They are great weapons uh, for gospel advance and, and for the advance of your relationship with God. And they're amazing. But discipleship happens in the life of the church. It happens in the life of the church. Discipleship and growth it's the, it's the command that's given to the disciples when Jesus uh, launches them into their ministry at the end of Matthew's Gospel. Go make disciples. Go make disciples. Not hit and run missionary work of kind of, right, everyone, you know, pray this prayer, Gospel call, you know, altar call, right, I'm done with you. It's make disciples. It's that relationship. It's that come and, come and live with me. Come and show, show let's see my life. Come, you know how I was when I was with you type discipleship. That happens in the life of the church. In community, under authority together of God's word, and in the, uh, in the working of the appointed and anointed gifts and leaders that we have. And as I say, not outsourced to these other things. 
Local church is holy and set apart. It is diversity on display. Amazingly, you know, we can talk of churches where there are Israelis and Palestinians worshipping together. And in Dubai, actually, we have a congregation, a Russian-speaking congregation that is led by a, a Russian and a Ukrainian. And the church is full of Russians and Ukrainian, and they worship together. And it happens in the church. <laughs> it happens in the church. The, the world longs for it. The church has been given it. There's a wonderful moment, and I use this a lot, I know. Wonderful moment in, in Acts as the, uh, the gospel comes to that weird place in the north called Antioch. And it says that there they were first called Christians. And you imagine what's going on. You're like, what on earth do you call these people? Because there are, there are Greeks and there are Jews and there are rich and there are poor. Nothing would bind these people together. But it seems that they all seem to gather around this Christ guy. So we'll just call them Christians. That is what happens in the church. The diversity is on display. And there's this wonderful image you know, Revelation, we see the kind of the curtain pulled back and these are the things that are, are going to be unfolding in the future and these are the things that are happening in the spiritual now. That wonderful picture that we have of those last days, that last day when all are gathered to him, that the, the glorious church revealed, that beautiful bride, every tongue, every tribe, every nation, singing out, Jesus, <laughs> the name of Jesus and belonging to him. And we see that in part here. There are people in this room I would never speak to, probably, if it weren't for Christ. If it weren't Jesus who had drawn us together. Again, a wonderful moment at the cross. Jesus there on the cross. He says to John, Behold your mother. Mother, Behold your son, woman, behold your son. There's Mary and John, suddenly they're both there to see Jesus and they come away with a new family member. That's what happens. We come to Christ and we belong to each We end up belonging to one another. And as I say, we are on mission together. The, the local church is the vehicle for mission, which is why I'm so passionate about church planting. Talk about church planting. Church planting we've talk, been talking about in the video that we've seen. And I, one, of the, one of the roles I play is, is, is in uh, training and helping to resource church planters around the, uh, the nation and, and as we pray into Europe as well. And we're going to be actually we'll be away in, in, in Utrecht. A few of us will be away gathering with leaders across Europe as we pray into that very thing. We believe that the, the church, that the local church is the vehicle. It is the, the primary means and aim of mission. The success of mission will be displayed in local church and worshippers in the locality. So we see in some of these unreached people groups that we were talking about. But basically, I've never heard the gospel. Suddenly, there is a worshipping community alive and at work there. And how is that region going to be reached? Well, it's by, by placing these discipleship, worship, God-centred, God-glorifying, presence of God hubs and communities around the world. Church is planted and the gospel advanced. And it's something that we do together. As I say, it's not just ones and twos. It's the whole thing. Now, we don't have a membership. Now, I'm going to finish on this. We don't have a membership uh, in, in Freedom Church. And that's, uh, I'd like to say that's deliberate. Um, it's only half deliberate, really. Um, but we don't, we, we, we don't have anything like that. There's no kind of, you sign your name here and you belong to Freedom Church and... And I'm not against that. Um, 
and I think so it can be a helpful thing to do. Um, but we don't have that. But what I think of when I think who belongs to us in the sense of who's, who's with us, you know, committed together for the things that we hold up as this is our vision, these are our values that we share. Who belongs to us? I would say, I put it down to these things, these things that come up in that list. I would say we, we, are, we worship together. And I don't, I'm not just talking about Sundays. Although I am talking about Sundays. I'm talking about Sundays and wider. We worship together. There's a sharing in that, sharing in life and in need. Wonderful challenge that comes in the New Testament. There were, as Luke just writes, he's talking about the church in Jerusalem. He says there were none of them who had need because those who had much sold so that those who had little would have sufficient. You think, well, what, what a challenge. Say, there's none here who have need because those who have are willing to give in the way that Christ taught. So belonging to one another, serving one another. I'd say giving financially in opportunities like we have today. But also, as I say, taking that taking care of one another, giving of oneself to each other. And in serving, hey, there's, there's some pr- very practical things that we, we need doing. You know, I'm so grateful to those of you who come early and help set up the teas and coffees and all of this stuff that we need to do. And, and that is part of belonging. And it's one of, the, one of the signs that somebody is, hey, this person's with us because they're, they're carrying it, sometimes in a very simple way of just setting out chairs or in leading us in worship or or whatever it might be, but there's kind of the service, there's just a heart of service for one another that is displayed. And, as I say, in giving and in uh, belonging. Now, and, I, and I, would just, I would just encourage you to, to think about that. You know, is think about what I've talked about, the churches, you know, capital T, capital C, the global church, and the local church, I'm talking particularly Freedom Church, of course, this is replicated right across the city in many beautiful congregations and uh, right across the world. Um, but as you think about what those things are, do we approach the work of Freedom Church or our local church with, those, with that grand vision that the Bible paints? Or is it just a, or has it fallen into a community group that I attend? Or or forgive me where I've done this, a show that I might go to or something that just happens? Or are we living with the faith and the excitement for what God is talking about when he talks about his church? And then the following question is, and is that expressed, as I say, what you believe is shown in what you do, doctrine bursts off the page and into your life. Is it expressed in your serving? Is it expressed in your giving? Financially, as I say, but also, but but to one another, giving of yourselves to one another, and in your belonging to one another, really taking ownership of one another, so that when one person hurts, you feel it as though it were you. That's what that's what the Bible talks about. That's what the Bible talks about, and also, we want to speak well of the church at large. We we do not want to speak poorly. I'm not just saying this because you're here, Rob. Don't worry. <laughs> but we but we don't want to speak poorly of churches. And we do not want to speak poorly of churches. Paul, as he, as he meets Saul as he was, encounters Christ on the road. Christ says, well, you're persecuting me. Why are you persecuting me? Jesus so closely associates himself with his church that he has, puts his name to it. 
even something as small and frail as Freedom Church. He says, that's mine. Any word spoken against it is, a, is spoken against me. Any word spoken against the church or a church is spoken against me. So we, we, are, we are very careful to hold to another one of our values, which we talk about is there for one another's success. Why don't you stand with me if you're able, and, and we're going to pray. And, and then uh, we will go and we will coin an ear together as we have a cup of tea. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are building your church. I thank you that small and frail as we feel here in this, in this gloomy room, Lord, we know that you have so attached yourself to your people so given yourself to your people, so poured out yourself to your people, that these wonderful promises are true, that you are here with us when we gather in your name, Mm. that you are here moving amongst us, Mm. that you love us, that you're committed to seeing us grow and that you give us to each other as as a way of helping us in that. And so, Lord, I just pray right now that you would stir our hearts to, to love your church like you love your church. I pray that you would stir our hearts to be so in love with what you are doing through your people. And Lord, forgive us if our view of church has become mucky or messy or just too small. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to see the glorious thing that you are building. The lily amongst brambles, as it's, as it's described in the Song of Songs. There, the lily amongst the brambles, the rest of the world, the church, the people of God. Well, I pray, open our eyes to see it. And Lord, let our doctrine leap off the page. Let our membership, although we don't have a piece of paper that we sign, be displayed in our love for one another. Lord Jesus, in your mighty name, we pray. Amen. Amen.